What's up guys, it's Lisa. We're all well into our coronavirus quarantine and needless to say, it's been a trying time for all of us. We've had to change our daily routines, many of us haven't even left the house, gyms are closed and overnight most of our relationships went virtual. So how can we come out of this quarantine stronger, healthier and even more connected? Well, I've taken this opportunity to talk to some of my favourite people on my Instagram Live to get their advice on these very issues and have found the conversation so freaking helpful that I wanted to share them here as well. So over the next couple of months, we'll be posting bonus episodes every Friday to help us get through this quarantine stronger together. Today, I'm chatting with the incredible Amy Morin. In case you haven't listened to her first episode on Women of Impact, Amy is a psychotherapist and author of the international best-selling book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. I chatted with Amy at the start of the quarantine here in LA, but the strategies we discuss are still applicable today. So sit back and enjoy. After a series of tragic live events, today's guest psychotherapist and TEDx phenomenon, Amy Moran, would have been forgiven for throwing a pity party. But refusing not to wallow, she quit complaining, dropped her bad habit, and took her power back. Today, with mental muscle flexed bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger's bicep, Amy is going to talk to us through mental strength and what makes a person mentally strong and during this whole um, coronavirus situation. So, Amy, thank you, girl, for joining us and for being here and helping everybody. So I just want to dive right in. I'm going to ask my first question. And then anyone else watching right now, put in the comments below. This woman is going to literally give us the keys to the kingdom, the tactics, the strategies. She's all about that, like actual actionable things on what we can do right now, right this moment when we're all struggling, when we're in somewhat trapped in our house and in our um, environment. So um, I want to start by um, talking about how do we not panic in this situation? And then the biggest thing that I freaking loved when you were on the show is the um, strategy, if this, then that. Okay, let's talk about that then. Because I think right now the worst thing you could do is panic because it seems like everything is horrible, it's awful. If you watch the news, you could easily panic, but that's one of the worst things you can do. So, you know, one thing is limit your media consumption and be selective about the media that you watch. Uh, they've done studies on this to say what helps people the most. The programs, the articles that tell you what to do are really helpful. The ones that predict catastrophic things are really not helpful. So be selective about what you're doing. And I know a lot of people want to be informed, so they're leaving the TV on in the background. They're constantly checking social media. They're scrolling through stuff. Don't do that. Uh, studies will show, too, that when you consume media, your anxiety skyrockets. It stays skyrocketed even when you're done. And so for a lot of people who are checking it every 20 minutes, they're in this heightened state of emergency all the time. You don't want to live like that. You can't live like that. It's not good for your health. So limit the amount of time you spend watching, watching the news. Maybe you say, I'm going to do it in the morning. I'm going to do it at night, but I'm not going to try to do it all day long. Or you say, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I'll check it, but only for 15 minutes. I mean, not that much is unfolding. They're coming up with all these stories that are about death tolls and about spreading and it's just going to make your anxiety skyrocket. So be really conscious of that. 
Just one thing I want to add there, actually, just for yeah. the purpose of experience. So I'm definitely the person that I have just been letting other people tell me what is going on in the world, and I don't really consume much news. And last night, I actually felt like, oh, that's a little irresponsible of me. Like, I really should be, like, going myself. And so last night, I started watching the news, and I had the worst night's sleep. I woke up this morning exhausted. And I was like, how did I actually benefit from that? It only made me more tired, made me more, I wouldn't say anxious, but I know that it does make other people anxious. And so... I love what you're saying because it's like check your behavior and what that knock-on effect is and is that behavior and that knock-on effect actually serving you or making you spiral even worse. Right, that's one thing you can control is your behavior. So you say, well, you know, is this serving me well or not? We think it is because we tell ourselves I'm staying informed, I'm staying up to date on everything, I need to know. Well, trust me, if something big changes, people are going to tell you. Mm -hmm. If anything is coming down the pike, if you tune into the news once a day, you'll get that information. You don't need to know it every second. And by tuning in all the time, it's bad news. It's just going to keep you in a state of panic. And the other thing you mentioned was what I've talked about before, which is if then. You come up with a plan. If this, then that. Uh, for a lot of us to know, we think, oh, I can't handle it if this happens. I can't handle being scared. I can't handle being nervous. Well, just tell yourself, if X, Y, and Z happens, then this is what I'm going to do about it. So maybe... If uh, we get an order that says I can't leave my house, then here's what I'm going to do. As long as you have a plan. If I start to develop symptoms, then this is what I'll do. If somebody in my family starts to feel ill, this is what I can do. And if you fill in that if-then, it takes a lot of the fear out of it, gives you back some of that control and helps you know, okay, I have a plan in place. Yeah, I was actually going to say about the control factor because I actually think that that may be – that was – part of why I started to watch the news I think it's like okay well I can take more control if I know what's going on but yeah that didn't actually work right right I think it gives us a false sense of control when we're tuning in all the time because then we think okay I know what's going on I'm informed but you can't do anything about what's happening out there in another state you can't do anything about the state of the economy what you can mm. do is say, how do I keep myself emotionally safe how do I stay mentally healthy how do I stay as physically as healthy as possible you're much better off to put your energy into those things rather than just consuming more stuff Passively. All right, um, that's amazing. All right, guys, if you're just joining us, we're answering um, questions live. Drop them in the comments below. Um, I have a bunch of questions for you, girl. And I like, I just want to keep asking you questions, but I want people that are tuning in live to actually get a chance. So let me um, do an audience question, and then I, I may do a follow up. Um, this is from Janique Bash. I hope I pronounced that right. What's the balance between being informed? Oh, and being optimistic. So I think we yeah, covered it, but. Right. Again, just set limits. If you were to watch the news once a day, I guarantee you'll be informed enough. Right. Uh, but most of us are scrolling, you know, through social media mindlessly. We're we're getting it all day long, bombarded from one direction or another because we're we're bored, we're lonely, we just want to know what's going on. We're a little anxious, so we tune in. Uh, but it's making us worse. So I think just set limits on it and say if you were if you watch 15 minutes of news, you'll get the highlights and you'll be informed. Any more than that, right. <laughs> start to feed your anxiety. Yeah. Um, I actually just got a question that I just saw below that I actually want to ask. It's from Tulene Carazone. Um, how do you stay motivated during this time? Mm, that's a great question, too. So I think uh, I'm getting a lot of that from people who are saying, I'm trying to work, but I can't concentrate. So mm. break it down in small chunks of time. For 20 minutes, this is what I'm going to do. You have a goal. And then take a break. And you break, again, don't turn into the news. Tune in and watch something for 10 minutes that you might say, I'm going to then just walk around inside my house. I'm going to take a break by closing my eyes for a couple minutes on the couch. I'm going to read a book for a few minutes and then go back to work again. Just don't expect yourself to work for eight, an eight hour workday without taking a break, but break it into small chunks, 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. 
set really small goals. Sometimes you can do two, like I'm an author. So when I'm writing a book, I'll say, I'll beat the timer. Okay. I have 20 minutes. How many words can I write in the next 20 minutes? Mm. And that challenge helps me to, to, to write more. And so maybe you challenge yourself. How much can you do in the next 15 minutes? How much can you accomplish in an hour? And when you set a challenge for yourself, then you'll be more motivated to try to get it done. Yeah, I've definitely found um, even on my social right now as like my form of um, entertaining myself. So I'm doing like these fun little challenges. I have some some figurines in the back of there. Um, and I find that like kind of playing games and getting in touch with almost like that fun childish behavior that I don't allow myself to do typically when I'm working has been so wonderful for me. That, you know, when we're happy, we do better. And I think we forget about that and that it's okay right now to have fun. I think some people feel guilty. They feel bad. I shouldn't be laughing. I shouldn't be doing anything fun. No, go ahead. Do all of that. If you want to watch funny cat videos online, do that. When you feel better, when you feel happy, you'll feel more motivated. So absolutely, anything you can do to boost your mood that makes you feel better and isn't harmful in the long run. I know sometimes people say, I'll turn to, say, food or I'll turn to alcohol. I'll turn to something. But those are the unhealthy coping strategies that create long term problems you want to do something that's going to be healthy for you so anything you can do right now to make yourself feel better can give you that energy boost and help you stay motivated all right so how do you not turn to things that end up being detrimental so like a bowl of ice cream is amazing it tastes so freaking good and let me tell you if obviously my digestion could handle it if i ate a bowl of ice cream i'd be like you know what i feel a little better but there's that time of like that momentary happiness in the like right now, but then the long term actually makes you feel worse because now you're putting sugar in your body. You're not giving it the nutrients. So how do you know not to like, or not even how do you know, what can you do in order to not go after the alcohol or, you know, the, the sugar or the things that as in a long run will actually be worse for you in this situation? So right now, a lot of us have lost a lot of the coping strategies we usually turn to. Maybe you can't go to the gym. Maybe you can't have coffee with a friend. All the things that you're used to turning to to help you manage your mood and to feel better and to deal with stress. So I think it's more important now than ever to look at what do I do to manage my stress currently? What am I doing? And, you know, if you treat yourself to a bowl of ice cream once in a while, probably no harm done for most of us. And that's okay. And to practice some self-compassion and know that you don't have to be strict and regimented about everything. If you can do something right now to find some joy in your life that's not the end of the world, go for it. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, to ask yourself that in the long run, will this cause any more problems? What are the effects of this going to be? And if you start relying on things that aren't good for you, uh, such as even social media, if you're just constantly scrolling through social media, what, what are the detrimental effects? And I think more than ever, if anything good comes out of this, it will cause a lot of us to check what are our coping strategies and what do I need more of? Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's yoga. Maybe you figure out how do you work out inside your house or you figure out, do you start reading books again or you journal? Whatever it is, I think a lot of us are going to start turning to more um, healthy coping strategies just because we don't have a lot of alternatives. So we're going to look at alternative ideas. What can I do that's a little bit different than I normally do? I love how optimistic you are because literally I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, people are going to be turning to alcohol. People are going to be turning to sugar. And you're like, people are being turned to, to great things. So um, how, how do you, not even how do you know that, but let's just take the person that is turning to the ice cream or the alcohol. Because I think if you're turning to motivation and empowering things, I think that's freaking amazing. You're already on that path. But that person right now, they're sitting there going, Okay, I'm going to have an ice cream, you know, bowl of ice cream is going to make me feel better. And then the next day, 
I'm just going to have a shot of vodka. I'm just going to have a beer, right? And then it, it starts off of like, oh, I'm just, you know, indulging just right now. I'm picking myself up. But then it becomes a habit. Like, how do you assess, oh, God, okay, this has now become detrimental and it is becoming a habit. And now if this, then that. Yeah. So, you know, if you know my work, I talk mostly about what not to do. I'm a fan of saying, you know, you could have a to-do list 100 miles long and it's overwhelming. So sometimes you just focus on what not to do. So don't do these certain things. So if your goal is to say, I'm going to try to be healthy today, what can I not do? Maybe it's, I'm not going to eat a bowl of ice cream. You don't say I'm going to run 10 miles to stay healthy. Just focus on a couple of things that you want to cut out mm, of your life. That's so nice. an honest assessment of what am I going to not do today? So, and maybe it is, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to eat too much junk food. Um, and then you focus on, okay, what can I do instead? What am I going to replace those things with? So when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm really sad, when I'm angry, when I'm nervous, uh, what am I going to do? And then you figure out, well, maybe I install an app on my phone for meditation and I'll try that. I'm a big fan of saying, try behavioral experiment. I don't know what's going to work for you, but you can try 101 different things. And then you figure out, did this help me? Did it hurt me? Did I stay the same? Anxiety get higher or lower? How long do I practice this? There's a million apps you can use, whether you try a fitness app or you say, I'm going to try a meditation app. I'm going to try a, a new workout program. All kinds of stuff you can do. Figure out what makes your mood better. What helps you manage your anxiety the best? And you keep a log. You keep a chart on the wall that says, okay, yesterday I drank 17 cups of coffee. My anxiety was sky high. Maybe I can do something different today. But just figure everything you're doing right now is an experiment. And until Ooh. you do more experiments, you won't know what's going to work for you. I actually love that. I'm such a fan of um, testing things out and seeing what, you know, um, helps with, you know, each individual person. And um, I'm so I try to be and I've worked for years and I think this comes down to my health issues is I'm so in tune and I make sure that I'm always touching base with my body and my mind and saying, OK, how are you doing? How are you doing? You, you good? You good? Um, and knowing when I'm slow, slowly going off course. And I think that that's actually great that people can use this time. Like I'm all about perspective, right? How are you seeing this time? Are you seeing it as, oh, my God, I'm quarantined. I'm stuck. Or are you seeing it as, oh, my God, I actually have an opportunity to start experimenting start getting more in touch with myself to seeing what is working and what isn't working with myself. Um, and then doing that journal, like you said, like now we have the time. And I think that in the world right now where we're always talking, like at least before this happened, like, oh my God, we're so busy, so busy. I don't have time for that. It's like now I love looking at it, like, was that an excuse? Like really ask yourself, because every time you said, I wish I could, but I don't have time. Well, now you do. So, and look, don't feel badly if you don't, you know, choose to do it. But now at least you know if your heart is in it or not. Exactly. I think, uh, you know, for people who look at this as an opportunity to do something different, they will definitely go on and become stronger, feel better, and then have more coping strategies for the rest of life after this is all done, said and done with. Yeah. All right. So I've just kind of totally monopolized this conversation. I love freaking talking to you. You're amazing. I'm going to start asking some more um, audience questions. Guys, if you're just joining us, drop some questions in below and um, we're going to have Amy answer them. All right. This one is from Dangerous K. How do you stop that itch of constantly wanting to watch the toxic news or go on social media? I think we've actually already covered that. So I um, mean, that may have been a question right before that. Um, um, okay, so this is from Vibes2580. How uh, Do you have any tips on how you stop judging yourself? Yeah, so it takes practice. So 
One question to ask yourself is, what would I say to a friend who had this problem? Most of us are way kinder to our friends than we are to ourselves. So if your friend made a mistake, you wouldn't be like, yeah, stupid, you just messed up. You'd probably say, oh, that's okay. We all make mistakes sometimes. How can you learn from it? Mm -hmm. So start asking yourself that question. What would I say to my friend who had this problem? And then you give yourself that same advice. And to just practice self-compassion, to know that we sometimes are so critical of ourselves and we think that we're going to motivate ourselves. If I call myself names, somehow that will push me forward so I won't make that mistake again. But study after study shows that self-compassion is the key to doing better, to learning from our mistakes and from bouncing back. So to just be more aware of that, to be hyper aware of when you are judging yourself and then remind yourself, okay, what can I say? What would I say to a friend? And then give yourself that same advice. And when you practice that, after a while, your inner dialogue just becomes kinder more naturally. I love that. There's something actually that you just said that made me think about this, is that for me at least, and I don't know what the, um, the, the science behind it is, and maybe you can explain it. If other people around me are freaking out, I automatically take on the calm person. I automatically go, oh shit, there needs to be someone that is calm and that is me. Now, if Tom is super, if it's just me and Tom and Tom is super calm, I allow myself to freak out. Yeah, I think a lot of us do that where we think, okay, I'm going to balance things out. There's a part of us that knows, okay, I have to control myself right now because nobody else is in control. But then there's that part of us that says, you know, wait, are we thinking about all the bad options? I need to bring them up because if somebody else is super calm, you want to make sure that they're also thinking about Right. A potential downside. So then we feel compelled to bring it up. And so when it comes to yourself sometimes and that conversations when you're having those in your head, when you're starting to freak out, argue the opposite. So when you yeah. start to think, okay, you know, the world is coming to an end. Here's 101 reasons why everything is horrible and awful. Just say to yourself, all right, what's 101 reasons why things are okay right now? And then you have a more balanced perspective. So just remind yourself, I can argue the opposite. It's almost like having a debate in your own head. Or if I were on the other side of this argument, what would I be saying right now? And when you can do that to yourself, then you can balance out all of that. Because as your emotions go up, your logic goes down. So the more emotional you are, the more anxious you are, the more you'll predict catastrophic things and doom and gloom. So when you argue the opposite, you can have a more balanced emotional outlook with your logical outlook i love that because the reason why i asked it i was like okay well what if someone right now is at home and they're by themselves how do they use um that because going to you even said like if if you're giving advice to someone else you're actually going to be way kinder than if you were giving advice to yourself so i was trying to think okay well does that same thing work if if I feel like, okay, when other people are panicking, I can stay calm. How do I use that mechanism if I'm by myself? And I think I love that kind of ask yourself that other question. That's great. Um, okay, we're taking questions, guys. If you're just joining us, drop them in. Um, let's go with Jaylee Coffee. How do you deal with toxic vibes from other business owners in your community that want as big of a piece of the pie as possible? Hmm, I don't you know, I think right now we're seeing a lot of panic. A lot of business owners are saying, I can't survive. What am I going to do? Some people are out there um, already trying to take advantage of the situation. So, again, I think it's about limiting your exposure to, to people that are dragging you down and to know all you can do is control how you behave, how you think, how you feel. And sometimes it's about setting boundaries and limits. Maybe you don't talk to certain people right now. Maybe you have to... Um, excuse yourself from certain business groups or certain conversations and focus on kindness. How are you going to be kind um, despite what other people are doing? Yeah, 
that's a vicious cycle you can get trapped in. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Um, okay, yes. this question is how to get, how do you get it over self-doubt and stop obsessing over one particular outcome or situation? Oh yeah, let's talk about obsessiveness. Right. And so, you know, when we get something stuck in our head, cause we keep thinking, oh, I can't handle it if this doesn't turn out well, or I have to do X, Y, and Z. Otherwise I'm not good enough. Uh, sometimes it's about changing the channel in your brain. So you ask yourself, am I dwelling on the problem? Am I looking for a solution? If you're problem solving, thinking about something's helpful. But if you're just ruminating and thinking about, gosh, I made this mistake last time. I'm probably going to make it again. And all these horrible things are going to happen. It's not useful. Uh, You're going to waste your time. You're going to waste your mental energy. And so change the channel in your brain. So we're not good at saying, hey, don't think about that anymore. When you get something Mm -hmm. stuck in your brain, you tell yourself, don't think about it. You actually think about it more. Mm-hmm. So the key to changing the channel is to say, I'm going to get up and go do something else. Maybe you go do a chore. Maybe you call a friend and talk about something completely different, not the thing that's running through your head. Do whatever you can, a physical activity, um, change the room if you have to, just go in a different room, but do something to get it 
out of your brain, but make sure that you don't just sit and obsess about things because it's not helpful. So what's the, the fine line then between that and then um, just completely ignoring the situation and um, not addressing it? So like so trying to kind of... Coming to that conclusion again, is there, what can I do about this problem? So if we took the financial issues some people are facing right now, um, maybe you're looking at losing your job, maybe you're already out of work. You can't fix that as far as you know, suddenly get your old job back. We don't know how long this is going to last. So just thinking about how horrible it is isn't going to do you any good. Or doubting your ability to handle it isn't going to do you any good. But maybe you problem solve. Maybe you say, okay, today, instead of just thinking about how awful I feel and imagining how horrible things are going to get, I'm going to come up with a list of 10 things I could do to earn money. Or I'm going to come mm. up with a list five ways that I can get through this. Um, but just make sure that you're doing something that's productive. So instead of saying, am I focusing on the problem? You just ask yourself, how do I focus on a solution? Mm, I like that. God, framing really is everything. Like I, I feel like I'm, you know, a broken record at this point, but man, like any problem, any doubt, everything always seems to just come back to framing. It really does. Sometimes just a slight shift in the way that you think about something makes a huge difference in how you, how you feel, how you behave, the action that you take. Um, just gives you a different perspective on life and your ability to tolerate whatever life throws your way. Mm, yeah. Um, I actually just uh, put a post today about um, how perspective makes all the difference and how you have a choice to sit there and think about all the bad things. And look, the bad things may be very real, but you also have a choice to sit there and think about all the amazing things and how can this be the most you know, amazing thing that's ever happened. And there was a story, oh God, I can't remember. I think it might've been an, a Stephen King short story. I'm not a hundred percent, but there's a short story that goes, um, there's a fictional world and it is broken up. Oh, sorry. There's a fictional world and time is endless. So you don't ever die. You literally have forever. And in the story, it gets broken up into two camps and one camp goes, Oh my God, I've got all the time in the world. It means I'm going to sit down and watch TV because I can do everything that I've always wanted anytime I like. And that camp ends up doing nothing. And then there's the other camp that is like, oh my God, I have all the time in the world. All these things I've always wanted to learn. Now I have time to do it. And they go off and spend their entire lives learning and growing and improving. And so I kind of, I thought of that short story this morning on how that's how we, we actually almost are living right now, where we have this time and it's up to us to decide, are we going, which camp are we going to be in? Are we going to use this time to be like, oh my God, I can become stronger, more powerful, better as a human, a better friend, a better partner, a better daughter, whatever. Or am I going to quarantine and chill? You know, um, <laughs> I love that because I'm hearing from some people, like parents especially, who are thinking, this is awful. My kids are home and they're not in school and I'm not working and this is, what are we going to do? But then I'm seeing other parents who are like, we're going to play games, we're going to read books, we're going to bond as a family. And you think, in the end, what are your kids going to remember? You know, mm -hmm. they're going to remember how they felt. Did mom or dad panic during this time? Was it awful? Or did we have fun? Did we find ways that we felt safe and secure and we managed to make the best of it? I think it's a great time for us to all practice those life lessons. Yeah. And over time, I've found such power in storytelling just by being on, you know, my social and over time, I've, I share more and more stories and I love storytelling and I love making, you know, um, fictional stories. And I really do go back to that. And I start thinking to myself, um, what's the story I want to tell? 
like in a year in two years in five years this will uh, you know have solved itself and don't i don't know what that would look like but it will have solved itself and so what is a story i want to tell you know people yes. comment a lot in in my storytelling on my social about like oh my god this is fantastic but the truth is it all starts from a day of reality it starts from me actually doing something and saying yes i didn't um, listen to the naysayers when we started Quest and I didn't listen to my dad when um, I you know wanted to marry my husband and it's like right now guys you have that moment of choice of what story do you want to tell in the future like it starts from reality so um, yeah I just felt very passionate I love that because it helps us zoom out and look at the bigger picture right right now life feels really scary for a lot of people it feels horrible it feels awful but then in the bigger picture of things this isn't going to last forever some time down the road you will be telling this story to your kids your grandkids somebody and yes what story do you want to tell how do you want to share it how do you want to say that you felt and how you spent your time absolutely yeah and that doesn't even mean you have to be perfect right your story can be oh my god i freaking lost my shit but actually, right. I then learned from it because I had some great advice from Amy Moran and now she put everything into perspective for me and I changed my action. Right? But that, that's a freaking awesome story. Absolutely. I think for all of us to know, okay, there were times that were tough and that's okay to recount that. People love those stories too when we come around and figure out, okay, that what I was doing wasn't working. Here's what I did instead. Exactly. Yeah. All right, guys, if you're just joining, we are answering questions live. This woman is on fire. She's got amazing tactics and advice. So drop in any questions below and we're answering them live. All right. Next question. This question is from Dangerous K. Did I just answer a question from Dangerous K? Oh, Dangerous K. You're, you're getting me to pick some of your questions. I'm impressed. Um, okay. How do you stop yourself from constantly asking validation from other people when you have a new idea for a project? You want it to work so bad. So you ask people, but when you become but then you become even more confused. So I think to take a look at who you're getting your advice from, right? And whose opinions are you are you seeking? And whose opinions actually matter? Sometimes we turn to friends, family, people that maybe don't even know what we do. Uh, so I would get a list of people who are real mentors, people that you actually value their opinion, and then you seek out their advice. And when they say this isn't going to work, if you value their opinion, then you want to know why. What's, what are your concerns? What am I not looking at? But to yeah. really take whose whose opinions and approval are you seeking and why? Yeah, I love that. And then take an ego out of it because these people that you choose to listen to, you want them to poke holes in your plan, right? Because nothing's right. ever going to be perfect. So if you want to actually get to the goal, then you have to take advice and listen and then assess. Um, but yeah, I think that taking ego out of it, because for me, my ego was just like, I want to be pat on the back so much because I wasn't, you know, as a child. So I was like, I just want to seek approval. And then I realized that that means that you're going to certain people that you know are going to only tell you what you want to hear. And that doesn't actually serve you as a business. Exactly. And I think that's so important to look at because sometimes our ego gets bruised by people and you think, well, maybe that's not even somebody who wants me to win or somebody who doesn't understand what I'm doing anyway. So yeah. and their advice isn't nearly as important as somebody who really understands what you're trying to do. Yep. Um, all right. Next question. Um, ah, all right. This is interesting. This is from Boat Bum 23. How do you avoid losing your shit when people who have harmed you keep engaging you? Oh, well, I guess it's up to you to decide how you respond to people. You can't control them, but you can control what you do. So if people are trying to engage you and you don't want to engage, don't engage. That might mean you don't answer your phone. You say, no, thank you. You, um, 
set some limits. You press the mute button on social media, but it's up to you who you engage with. Yeah, I love that. Everything's in your control. Um, all right, next question. Um, so this is from C CM Prize. I keep wondering if I have enough supplies at home and keep bouncing between being calm and content to being anxious and fearful. How should I navigate being torn about what to do? I would say write it down. Uh, when you get anxious, you're going to start to think, I don't have enough, I'm going to die, this isn't going to go well, and you think all these catastrophic things. When you're calm, it's much easier to think, okay, I have what I need, I'm doing okay. So maybe you write down a list. Here's the evidence I have what I need. Here's the evidence I don't. Take a look at the piece of paper. Something about writing stuff down helps us to be more logical. Mm -hmm. And then when you're, when you're nervous about it, go back to your list. Um, and if, if you know on a logical level, I have what I need and I'm okay, if you don't have toilet paper, you're not going to die. And so you might need that reminder. So maybe you write yourself a letter of you're okay. And then when your anxiety skyrockets and you start questioning if you're okay, go back and read a letter. Maybe it's just one paragraph long of, hey, you're going to get through this. You're going to be okay. And when you read that letter to yourself, it can help calm down all those emotions that are telling you that it's about to end. Yeah, because like, I'm just going to be super freaking transparent right now. So the big thing that my people watching or, you know, may or may not know is I've had a lot of health issues. And so my diet without the coronavirus has been like, I, I am obsessive. I am very controlling. I am very like, I've, I've just been suffering for four years. So I know what is going to cause stomach pain, what isn't. When I travel, I always take food with me. So I'm already obsessive over my health before this happened and so when this happened i'm like oh my god i need more food i need more food i need everything frozen because what if i can't go to the store what if i can't leave my house my husband god bless his stomach he can pretty much eat anything so he doesn't want to necessarily eat ice cream and crap but he can and he will still survive for me i absolutely worry about the fact that um, if i don't have enough food that means i'm going to be cramping that means i'm going to be in bedridden that means i'm then if i'm bedridden i don't have the cognitive alertness and so so I, I have worked many, you know, over this last week and a half to make sure I don't spiral out of control. But I am noticing, I am getting a little like, oh my God, do I have enough? Do I have enough? Do I have enough? Um, and I like to think of myself as pretty in tune with my mindset. So um, I can only understand like how everyone else right now is feeling and freaking out over this you know consumption and you know you see the lines but I don't want to put fear into people. So how do you... Um, yeah, I mean, like, not have the utter crippling fear. So I love the writing it down. Um, do you suggest that in those moments, if you are starting to feel the, the fear or the, you know, anxiety come to then get that letter again and just keep reading it? It is, because, you know, that voice in our head that will say, you don't have enough, you're not doing enough. We want to be doing constantly. Somehow that makes us feel better. So we're stockpiling stuff. But, but even if you start stockpiling stuff, how do you know it's enough? You have a, a pantry full, a closet full, a house full. When is it finally enough? Mm. Um, so I think having something that can just calm you down. So when your anxiety goes up and you're starting to get off the rails, if you have that letter to yourself, if you're lucky enough to have a partner or somebody else who you can say, I'm starting to panic, what do I do? And they can talk you down. That's helpful too. But for those mm. people who don't have someone to do that, you need to be, a, be that person for yourself. So in a calm moment, you write that letter and you come up with that list. So that when you start to panic, you can go get that piece of paper. So if you don't have somebody to calm you down, you can calm yourself down. Use that voice in your head that says, 
you're going to be okay and remind yourself of it. And it brings your emotional state back down to normal so that you can say, all right, what would a rational person do right now? What's a reasonable approach to take to this? And when you can kind of just take a step back and distance yourself from those panicky emotions, then you can make the best decisions for yourself. Yeah, that's great. Um, one thing I am personally worried about and I'm trying to remind myself of this, of what we're doing now in changing in our behavior, that there isn't a lifetime knock-on effect. And what I mean by that is growing up, my dad came from a very, very tiny village in the mountains in Cyprus. And so he's like, he had experienced like utter poverty that I couldn't even possibly imagine. And so growing up, his mindset was finish everything on your plate, right? And I think a lot of people have had that. And I think it became like the scarcity mindset. He was brought up in thinking that food is very scarce. And so then I, I wonder, and I've heard um, discussions about it, that that mentality has actually led to obesity now in our times because we don't have to um, worry about the food intake. And so it's been brought read in us that we have to finish our plate we have to finish our food and because of that it has led to unhealthy eating and obesity so i really worry about what are the things that we are doing now that we should be aware of that we may need to adopt right now but not then carry on into future um, and then pass on to our children oh yeah that's great because i think you're right that some of us will have that scarcity mindset when this is all over and how do you how do you break out of that when you don't need to be so i think for those of us to be aware okay right now a lot of the typical rules that we go by maybe don't apply so to have that in your head this is an emergency management procedure this is why i'm doing this the way i'm doing this is why the kids aren't in school this is why i'm working from home this is why i i'm working on making sure i have these certain supplies but then in our heads, we need to make that switch when all of this is over to be able to say, I'm not under the emergency management procedures anymore. I don't need to eat this way. I don't need to behave this way. I don't need to do that anymore. But I think as long as we just become aware this isn't going to last exactly like this for the rest of our lives, life may change a bit after this, but it's not going to be just like this forever. And then you just consciously make that switch. And then down the road, you remind yourself, do I need to still do this? Is it still serving me well or not? And if I'm not under emergency management procedures, then I don't need to do that stuff anymore. Yeah, so reminding yourself of that, I love. What about with kids then? So I think for adults, we can intellectually kind of, I think as we keep talking about this, even once this is all over, we can remind each other and ourselves, hey, that was an emergency situation. You have to, you know, adapt back to normality. But what about kids that, you know, I mean, we're all, uh, I think we even spoke in the episode when you're on Women of Impact, we spoke about um, the age of imprint and how things, you know, kids between, what was it, 12 and like 14, it's like, they're so susceptible that right now these are the moments and look i'm not i do not want to scare people I, this is not one of these like oh my god let's freak out but i actually want to address the reality of what could potentially happen so if these kids are picking up things from their parents and they're learning things um how do we make sure that they don't then take that into adulthood is that through showing in our own way. So like, you know, um, leaders example, like, is that a strategy that would be a good one? Yeah, definitely lead by example. Your kids pick up on your emotions. So even if you don't say, gosh, I'm really scared right now. If you're running around doing stuff, your kids will know that you're anxious. So I think for a lot of kids, a lot of the rules don't apply, right? They're home from school. Maybe you let them use their electronics way more than they usually do. Maybe you aren't adhering to the exact bedtime because they can sleep in later. Um, 
obviously they can't get out and, and play like they usually do with their friends. So things are going to be different. So maybe you name this time something. Maybe you let your kids come up with a name for it. And then you always refer to this as that time frame. They're going to come up with something much more fun than the coronavirus pandemic. But maybe you name it something. And then you refer to this period of time so that then when it's over, they know that that's over. And you can say, no, we did that then, but we don't need to do that now. And something else to do is just instead of focusing on all the things that are going wrong, all the things that are different, you just focus on everything that we're doing to keep people safe. So the measures that people are taking, the government, the emergency medical personnel, the your community, what you are doing at home to stay safe. We're staying home because we want everybody to stay safe. So instead of focusing on all the things that could go bad, you just focus on all the good things people are doing to help each other to be kind and to stay safe so that it doesn't feel as scary. Yeah. I like that, but dude, naming this um, phase, and I think you're right, like, do not call it something virus. Tom and I always like to come up with fun words. Even like, right. if it's fun words in communication and we're saying something hard, we think if it's like a fun word, then um, it actually can help the emotion. So like, I don't want to go on a tangent, but this is an example. So if I do something, um, Tom needs me to do something, and I really don't want to do it, and I'm reluctantly doing it. Sometimes you just want the other person to be appreciative, appreciate mm -hmm. the fact that you're reluctantly doing it, you don't want to do it. So we would kind of get a little annoyed with each other, where I'm like, oh, fine, I'll do it. And, you know, and then I wouldn't feel like I was getting the, the, the feedback, the gratitude, and then that would just get me more annoyed. So we came up with a word, which is like grumble, right? So it's like you're grumbling, but we do it like, crumble and so we change the way we say it we change it even tom does the british accent which is quite funny and we use the word that allows us to take a negative feeling and a negative emotion and actually brings light to it so with the coronavirus like what is a fun freaking word that you and your family or you and your kids can actually start using as a way to bring light to it instead of such fear and negativity like that's freaking genius girl yeah, you know, I love that you and Tom do that. I think that's fun. It's a great way to do it. And it's how we, you know, we don't have words for a lot of the things that we experience, the emotions that we have, the, the things that we go through. And this is weird. I mean, it's a really weird time in our lives. So let's come up with a name for it. And you and your family can have your own name and that can actually help you bond and have, mm. have a ritual. It's like a family tradition. You talk about this period of time was known as... And then whenever you talk about this period of time, your family's going to know what you were talking about. And you can all relate to, yeah, we felt this way. We did this. Or we had this tradition of what we did every morning. And it becomes this family thing and can actually help you bond. And then kids to know. That's why we did things during that one period of time. But we don't do them six months from now. Right. Yeah. That's so freaking genius. Like, I want to replay that clip over and over. So anyone watching, guys, share that piece of information. That was so strong. Um, thank you for that. All right, I'm going to take more questions. Um, this is from, all right, Brittany Carhart. How do you balance working full-time from home now with three kids at home because schools are closed? I'm struggling with balancing being efficient and being there for my kids. Ooh. I'm hearing that from so many parents right now. How do you do that? A lot of parents aren't used to working from home in the first place, and that's a huge adjustment. But then try to balance that with working from home and having your kids there. That's really tough. So first of all, cut yourself some slack. Know that you aren't going to be as efficient or productive as you were when you were in the office or as you were when you were just working from home and it was just you. 
Mm. And to, again, I guess it goes back to behavioral experiment. Try some different things. Maybe you give your kids a task to do for 20 minutes, and if they do a really good job and they're, they're working hard or they're playing quietly, then they get to play with you for 10 minutes. Try that as an experiment. Or if you have older kids, maybe you say if you work really hard for, for this hour or two hours, maybe it's in the morning, and then at lunch you get to do something special. Um, anything you can do to just keep trying what's going what's gonna to work, or you have an older kid that can help out a younger kid, uh, give them tasks, mm -hmm. to do, um, rewards. Okay, if you do a great job in the morning, then you get to do this in the afternoon. Um, I think anything like that, just keep figuring out what's going to work and knowing that while everything's sort of up in the air and until people get used to this new sort of normal that we're under right now, it's going to take some trial and error to figure out how everybody's going to get along and make it work. Yeah, and I think there's a real big piece of key information that you just said there is like, you're not going to be able to do everything. And that was actually one thing I was, I planned to get up early today and work out and, um, and then come to this interview. And I was like, I didn't get a chance to work out because Tom and I started to talk about like, what are the adjustments we actually now have to make in our business, but the realities to those adjustments. And that's one thing like I've learned, let me tell you in building quest, like I, I cannot just keep taking on more things. We are as much as we like to think we're superheroes um we're not superhuman and so understanding that as our life is changing um in doing maybe different things that other things will have to change as well so for instance we're talking about now doing all content from our house like going over to our studio bringing all the cameras here and then literally just shooting me and tom ourselves and i said okay like i'm i'm Let's do it. I'm fully excited and on board. But that's going to take so much more of my time. I have to let other things go. Even yes. though I like to think I can take on everything, the reality is I can't. And so we, I now am going to go through my schedule and go, what are the things now I just can't do? I don't have the time for. Because we have to give ourselves the grace in knowing we are only human. And I think we can overwhelm us, ourselves in just trying to take on all these things. So this poor woman, right? She, she's trying to be a full, like work full time and now be a full time mother. Like it's just not possible to take on it all. So really address what are the things right now where you're going to be spending your time that you should stop spending your time doing? Like, should you stop spending your time doing dishes and just get paper plates, right? Like things are like that. Yeah, I think anything, you know, we should be looking at what do we subtract from our schedules right now. Mm -hmm. So many of us are, are adding so many strange things and it's going to take a while to be, um, to accommodate those things. So just look at your schedule every day and say, what can I subtract? What's not essential for me to do? And you might cut, cut some things out. Maybe it's things that you normally do, things that you, uh, take some extra time. It's going to take extra time to do basic things these days. So to say it's okay to cut some things out. Right. If it's not don't do it and then don't give yourself a hard time about not being able to do everything all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I actually just saw this question come in and I love it. So I want to answer it, uh, ask it. It is from Corinne. <clears throat> Excuse me, Corinne. I have a mum that is negative and has mood swings a lot. I've been trying to influence her to be more positive, but her negative energy is strong, especially during this period. How do I influence her better? Right. So first of all, I think it's to cut yourself some slack that you're not, it's not your fault that she's negative. It's not your job to be a positive influence that changes her. I mean, you can control your behavior. You can control what you say. You can control how you respond to her, but that she might not change. And that doesn't mean you're doing a bad job or you're not doing enough to let go of that. 
And then you might also have an upfront conversation with her that, you know, mom, I'm in a great space right now and hearing all of the horrible things about the state of the world uh, could drag me down. So I'm going to say, let's not talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's tough to do. It can be awkward. It's uncomfortable. Uh, other people might not understand, but that's okay. And sometimes that's the kindest thing you can do to somebody else is to say, I'm going to put some limits on this or you might decide I'm not helpful to you by just being a captive audience. If you're going to talk about how horrible everything is and I sit here and listen to you, then that, maybe that reinforces it. So I'm just going to say, this isn't helpful to me right now. If you'd like to talk about something else, then we can do that. But that's tough to do. But to just cut yourself some slack, know that if she's not coming out all rainbows and sunshine, it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. It just might be she's not in that space right now, and that's okay. All right, so let's talk about boundaries. Um, how do we set boundaries then right now? Um, is there any difference in setting boundaries before? In fact, that doesn't matter. So setting boundaries right now, whether it's with your mom because she's super freaking negative, you want to help her and influence her, but you know right now it's not working, but her negativity is actually having a massive impact on you. But it's your mom. Like, especially at this time, I think everyone's so fearful of like, what if someone gets it, right? What if my mom gets it? Have I told her enough that I love her? Like, that's absolutely what I'm thinking like all these people in my life have I told them how I feel about them but then still setting that boundary where you're like but I still can't necessarily have them in my life if they're always negative and then boundaries when it's like I mean I have like one house one room and how do I set boundaries with my partner my family my um you know roommates so I think right now we should all be really aware of our mental health how's our mental health going how are we dealing with all of this emotionally and to be aware that we can be supportive of other people but that doesn't mean that you have to say listen to them complain for eight hours or you don't have to be a captive audience when somebody's talking about catastrophic things that might happen that in fact in listening to them not only might you be allowing it to take a toll on your own mental health but you're probably not doing them any favors either the more they keep talking about it the more they're thinking about it the more they're dwelling on it probably not helpful So it's okay to say to somebody, you know, as much as I worry about these things too, I don't find it helpful to talk about it. I don't find it helpful to to sit here and and talk about all of these things that we have no control over. I'd much rather talk about something pleasant. Would you like to join me in that? Would you like to talk about something else? You might even point out to somebody, you know, I noticed that that you really talk a lot about all of the negative things that could happen. How are you doing? Check in with somebody. Sometimes people don't know how to say, I'm really anxious right now, or I'm really struggling, or I'm feeling depressed. Instead, they just talk about everything that's going wrong in the world. And so they might appreciate that conversation or somebody checking in with them to say, are you doing okay? I'm nervous too. How are you doing? But then you can have a much more productive conversation. Um, In the therapy world, we know sometimes people, when they don't have the language to say how they're doing, they will come up with certain things that they can kind of quantify. Like, I only slept two hours last mm-hmm. night. Uh, because that's a way to say, I'm suffering, but I don't know how to say I'm suffering, or I don't know how to say I'm really uncomfortable, or they'll mm-hmm. say I haven't three weeks. Because um, it's sort of a, a way to put a tangible um, thing to what they're feeling. Or, um, you know, I haven't gotten any work done in the past month because I can't concentrate. Another way to just sort of give you a tangible for I'm really... Uh, experiencing so much turmoil. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to talk about it. So sometimes it's okay to ask people, how are you doing? I noticed that you're talking a lot about all these horrible things that could go on. I just want to know how anxious are you feeling? How difficult? You can turn the conversation around to how they're doing emotionally rather than talking about how horrible the world is. Yeah, that's so true. Um, 
<laughs> God, I love your opinion on um, stop complaining or don't complain. Um, talk to me about that because there's that fine line between people wanting to let it out because they're like, oh, I feel like I'm a, you know, trapped force here and I just need to let the air out and I'm going to feel better versus um, I love what you're saying, whereas like actually complaining makes it worse. So where is that fine line? How people right now, I think, is like at the heightened place of people feeling like they, they need to let things out. Um, where's that fine line between how much they should let out, how much they should rethink things? So there's this terrible misconception that we're like a pressure cooker and you have to let out this steam, otherwise you're going to blow up or implode or something. There's not a single study in the world that has found that venting is helpful. And you just think about that in your own life. When I talk about how horrible things are, do I hang up the phone feeling really happy with my life? Probably not. You probably end up feeling worse. The more we talk about how horrible everything is, the worse we feel. The worse we feel, the more we dwell on the negative. It's a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. So helpful to talk about how you feel. I'm feeling really anxious. That's much different than the world is ending. Everything's awful. You know, when you just start complaining and that's not to say you shouldn't complain. If you complain to somebody who can fix it, then that can be helpful. If something bad is going on and you go to a supervisor, you go to a manager and you say, Hey, I just wanted you to know this is going on. And then that person can problem solve. That can be helpful. But to just turn to your coworkers, to turn to your friends, to turn to your family and complain constantly about the state of the world is going to make you, it's going to take a toll on your mental health. It doesn't make it better. So I think to flip that switch, to know that just because you aren't complaining doesn't mean you're suppressing all of these horrible emotions. You can still talk about how you feel. Maybe you talk about being sad right now, being angry, being anxious. Those things can be helpful when you have somebody who's emotionally supportive and willing to listen to that. But what's not helpful is saying, you know, the government's not listening. Nobody's helping. This is awful. Just complaining for the sake of complaining doesn't do you or the person listening to you any good. And so I think we need to throw out that idea that we have to vent, that we have to complain, that if we don't do that, that somehow we're doing ourselves a disservice. You don't have to do any of that. You can take care of your emotional wounds without complaining about how awful your life is. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, I would turn to the people that would make me feel better, right? They're like, yeah, that does suck. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, these are my peeps. And every time I'm frustrated, every time I'm annoyed, you go to those people because they're going to agree. And then you realize, oh, shit, long term, this is actually the worst strategy and the worst idea because they just fuel you. Yes. And so in the moment, it's like, a you know, just for a minute, they make you feel better. But absolutely, when you're surrounded by people who agree that life is awful, horrible, and and it's going downhill then after a while you get caught up in that cycle of negativity yeah yeah all right guys we've got one more last question uh, oh well, let's do some shout outs i love it when i hear the people are watching from around the world so i want to do shout out to south africa costa rica and holland what's up people and i think someone actually in the feed also said they're from greece and they asked if i speak greek boom so I just said, yes, I do know Greek, but it's had, it's been a while since I've spoken it. So, um, so yes, thank you everybody around the world for joining. This is actually, I think one of, in my lifetime, at least the, the biggest thing that's happened where, although I guess 9-11 really did shake me up, but you know, being in England, but it wasn't as, um, immediately effective as this is. And it's really interesting. Oh, we've got Jordan, Morocco, France, Turkey, UK. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> But this is actually, I think, the very first time in my lifetime where the entire world is experiencing the same effect. And 
I actually, going back to what we were talking about earlier about perspective, like, I actually think that that's beautiful. Like, as, and I don't want to get into politics at all, but there is so much about the world where people are in conflict, right? Politics, religion, and it's like, there's so much hate. And right now, it's like, it really doesn't matter what your politics are. It really doesn't matter what religion you are. It's like, we're all freaking in this together. We all are suffering. And there's something really freaking beautiful in that. At least that's for me. And that's how I try to like frame it. I love that because I think, again, when in the world, and we've never had this opportunity before, you're broadcasting to people literally all over the planet and people on the other half of the globe can relate to the same things that other people are going through. Yeah, exactly. Like There's something about feeling like you're not alone that really does, um, I think connect us more um yes. and to be honest like i'm just i'm now doing lives every day and i get to hang out with freaking awesome women like yourself who on a typical day i wouldn't be doing a facetime with you right so it's right. like going back to like how can these be, all be freaking amazing like let's try and stay as positive as we can and be like oh my god this is awesome i get to hang out with amy on a you know friday um right, i'm gonna do one more question this is from shagun1710 i have come back from university abruptly after two months i want to spend time with my family but i need to do school online now how do i do that without feeling guilty so i guess to remember that uh Feeling guilty isn't necessarily a bad thing to remind yourself that guilt doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. Sometimes we tend to think that guilt means we're bad, we messed up. And not necessarily. We have a lot of guilt sometimes that just is unnecessary. But then take a look at what are you thinking. If you're blaming yourself, if you're thinking that you did something wrong, just reframe it. Go back to that other thing where you say, what would I say to a friend who had this problem? Treat yourself with that same self-compassion and remind yourself that, uh, it's up to you to control how you behave. Guilty feelings don't necessarily mean you're doing anything wrong and you can speak to yourself kindly. Yeah, God. I mean, I think we spoke about that on our episode as well, um, about the whole guilt thing and specifically women feel guilty a lot more about things. Um, and I think in this time there is going to, like Tom and I are writing a list of um things that we need to do as a in a relationship as being homebound right now and it's like one thing we generally talk about but it's like having selfish time and doing something that is just for yourself um as well as of course being there for your family or the people in your space but like making sure that you're always staying in touch and in tune with um what your needs are and if that means hey i want to go and just read or watch a shitty tv show and i want to do the that, that by myself like to not feel guilty about it and making sure that we are actually like blocking out that time deliberately for ourselves because i think it's like if we if we're not feeling good then how do you show up for other people absolutely and i think right now more than any time is to say yeah how do i do the best i can for myself so that i can be there for other people yeah exactly all right amy if you have to give people one piece of advice right now that people are struggling in this situation with the coronavirus and with let's say anxiety um what is the one thing they can do immediately to help them feel better oh my one of my favorite strategies and i actually posted about this today because i'm getting so many questions from people that my anxiety is out of control it sounds ridiculous it sounds counterintuitive but don't knock it until you try it in fact i want Go you to come on. back and tell me what your experience is schedule time to worry so there's a million studies about this and it's something i've done with so many people in my therapy office 
for people, if you feel like you're worried all day, your anxiety is sky high, I want you to schedule 15 minutes a day to worry. Maybe you say from 7 o'clock until 7.15, I'm going to worry. And when that worry time comes around, I want you to sit down and I want you to worry 15 minutes. Maybe you write in a journal. Maybe you just sit and worry. Maybe you have somebody who's sitting next to you and you tell them all of your worries. Come up with everything that's really scary right now. When your worry time is over, 15 minutes, you say to yourself, all right, my time's up. Go about your normal business. Anytime you start worrying about something outside of your control, outside of those 15 minutes, remind yourself it's not time to worry right now. I'm going <laughs> to worry about it later. And with practice, that gets much better. So instead of worrying 24 hours a day, researchers will show you can contain your worry to just a small chunk of your day. And if you practice it, I guarantee after a while, you'll be able to say, oh, it's not time to worry about that right now. Because we have this need. We think if I worry enough, if I keep worrying, if I don't worry about it, maybe it will happen and we worry about worrying. But if you just say, I'm going to contain it to 15 minutes a day, it actually works. So I challenge people who are, who are tuning in to do that. Set aside 15 minutes a day to worry and then remind yourself any other time, I'm not going to worry about that right now. And then come back and tell me how it works. I can't wait to hear yeah absolutely girl that's freaking genius i absolutely love it guys if you're watching right now please do go and follow amy her advice is freaking amazing you can even go back and rewatch this whole thing and just take more and more notes you gave such incredible tactical tips girl i freaking adore you um thank you so much for coming on guys if you have not seen amy on um, women of impact go check it out right now on youtube and if you're a podcaster we also have that on podcast um but definitely definitely go check out that interview um some of what she already said here is in that but so so much more Thank you, girl. Any last parting words? Where can people find you apart from Instagram, which I think that they can share here? But what, what, what else can people, where can people find you? Oh, thanks so much for having me. My website's the best place. Amy Morin, LCSW is in licensedclinicalsocialworker.com. Awesome. Well, girl, thank you again, sweetie. Really appreciate you taking the time to give such incredible advice. Guys, um, I'm doing more of these lives. I'm um, going to plan to start on Monday. I'm actually taking Saturday and Sunday off for myself to hang out with my husband. Um, but on uh, starting next week, I'm going to be doing lives, bringing on incredible people like Amy to discuss different subjects and different topics that everybody could be struggling with right now, from health and fitness to mindset. Also, we also have just released um, Impact Theory University, a free Mindset 101 course, especially for um, you guys it is free you can access it i put it in my ig story so if you are worried about your mindset guys go over check that out join for free um we are here to support amy once again my dear thank you so much fully respect thank you girl and until next thank time guys girl. be the hero of your own life peace out thank you amy <laughs>